Welcome to Cast Dice, the podcast that explores the wild and wacky world of tabletop gaming. Uh, it has been said many times, uh, mostly on this podcast, that we are in the middle of a gaming renaissance. There are so many good games that we can be playing out there right now. It's often hard to tell where to spend our hobby dollars and our hobby time. Uh, and that is what this podcast sort of seeks to unravel, to uh, explore what's out there uh, so you don't feel like you're missing out. Uh, we're going to talk about the games that both myself and my guests enjoy playing and you know, industry events as they happen. Now, for those who have been keeping track, playing the home game, uh, this podcast is sort of my third podcast, fourth, fifth, I can't really keep track anymore. Um but Cast Dice is the latest iteration of uh, gaming podcasts that I've been doing now for quite some time. Um, I am quite excited, though. Um, though the LRDG2 was just me and had a very similar format to Cast Dice, it's still sort of, by, by the nature of the, um, where it was podcast through and um, its name sort of harkened back to the original LRDG podcast. Cast Ice has been, from day dot, um, sort of a solo endeavor. I mean, clearly, I've had a lot of guests. Um, I have yet to do a podcast by myself, um, and I have to thank each and every guest that have come on. But this is kind of a milestone for me because this is the first time I have gotten to a full year of podcasting on a podcast uh, by myself. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. So uh, to celebrate Cast Dice uh, and Halloween, which are sort of the, the same event, uh, they both happen on the same day. I would like to bring on an old friend. You might hear him rustling around in a little bit in the background. Uh, he is painting this evening. Um, now, here's a man who's been on several times in the past, who plays a lot of games. But more than that, he, when I go out and DJ, and it's been a little while since I've done that, he is literally the man I share the turntables with. You might know him by his DJ name of three MCs, but I know him as Drew McLean. Drew, welcome back to Cast Dice. Oh, thank you very much. It's good to be here, brother. I, I wanted to be. I wanted to be here at uh, some sort of anniversary with you. That's that's fantastic, brother. I literally could not think of a man I would rather share the mic with on such an event. Now, Drew, there are so many games that we have been playing. Um, you and I have been playing a lot of Star... Well, a lot. We've been playing a fair bit of Star Wars Legion, and we plan to play more. Um, you and I are sort of sharing a collection um, of miniatures. Do you want to tell uh, the listeners what we've been doing? Um, I, I, I wouldn't say I've been playing a lot. Um, I've been playing right. about as much of that, or more, more of that than anything else, mm. um, so I'd say it's one of my main games, but at the moment, not getting a lot of playtime. Um, probably more hobby time. Yeah. At the moment, um, but we've been um, we've been playing. We've had a couple of games of that, mm -hmm. as you said. We've kind of got a bit of a shared collection going on there, which probably makes more sense given the. Well, for us, it's kind of more of a cinematic thing than a than a competitive thing. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So just having games that kind of look cool, and that's just getting the miniatures together, really. Well, that's kind of what I was hoping I was nudging you towards. Um, 
I when I've introduced you on Cast Ice in previous iterations or episodes, you have um, I've introduced you as sort of one of the one of my friends who is uh, maybe one of the most prolific and uh, sort of the mad doctor of conversions. Um, you are always coughing out some just truly amazing stuff. Um, now for Star Wars Legion. Man, you are taking it to the next level. Um, and of course, what we're going to talk about in a few minutes is actually taking it to a level beyond that. Um, tell us a little <laughs> bit about what you've been doing for Legion, man, because it's, I mean, a lot of people I sort of came to Legion as um, X-Wing players or board game players, um, or they're just sort of painting them straight out of the box. Because let's be honest, the miniatures don't really lend themselves to conversions without external bits. But you're doing it without the bits. Um, tell us what you've been up to, man, because it's really cool stuff. Well, I've done. Um, look, probably the main thing with with Legion that I, that is sort of new for me, me, well, maybe not the main thing, but for me, the, for me, probably the biggest thing um, is just the fact that I'm I'm you know most of my history has been a Warhammer player, or more recently Kings of War, and that's about putting. Lots of models on the table, mm-hmm. which you know you kind of you kind of work on bulk painting methods to get it to get it done. Whereas Star Wars Legion is for me much smaller model count than I'm used to, so I can spend a lot more time painting and sort of working on my my technique, mm-hmm. which is probably the most for, for me is probably the biggest change. Um, I haven't felt, as you said, I haven't felt the need to do a lot of converting for Star Wars because um, it's the, the models kind of do a pretty good job of representing the, the what, what you see in the films. And mm-hmm. for me, that's what playing Star Wars Legion is about. So um, that's cool. Probably the, the most visible thing I've been doing with my Legion stuff and a few other things is trying out some LEDs. Yes. Um, cutting models up and uh, I've found some tiny, tiny LEDs, which are, I think, they're like half a millimeter square kind of thing. That's mm-hmm. They're teeny tiny. Um, and just sort of threading those up through models. And you've been and using them to make, and bases. yeah, putting batteries and bases. And with that, you've been doing things like turning the lightsaber for Luke and Vader into actual light up lightsabers on painted models, which looks really hot on the table. But you, that's not the only thing you've done. You've also gone sort of big with that. Um, your land speeder, for example, um, you have had it sort of towing a, an ammo box with its tow cable, and through that, I think there's your battery pack, um, and you have LED lights coming out of your laser ports. So it's actually firing, and it lights up when you turn it on, which is fantastic on the tabletop. Yeah, I, I, it's fun. Like it's it's something I've never really had. Sh- the opportunity to do because I, I, you know, I haven't played a lot of sci-fi games or mm-hmm. they've never been my main games in the past. So, you know, I've played the models, but most of my effort goes into has been going into fantasy stuff. But this is a bit of a change for me. Uh, and then I stuck a few in, a few LEDs into a uh, a blaster turret of yours, or sorry, turbo laser blaster right. turret of yours. Um, so, and and they're they're cheap. I don't need to solder, which is. You know, yeah. that's sort of more hobby infrastructure that I don't want to buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's more just like figuring out where in the model to put the wires. It's, that's That's been the biggest challenge, which is, you know, not too bad, really. 
Yeah, man. I've done a few LED, or not LED, I've done a few, like, for a long time ago for one of my 40K armies, I had um, eight Valkyrie sort of gunships or nine, something like that, in an army. Um, and my one of my objectives was I built a speaker that played Flight of the Valkyries. And so I was, you know, threading sound equipment through. And that was a pain. And that was... <laughs> And I mean, for, and I did a little LED light because I did, um, you know, I had tufts of white cotton and then I put an LED light through the base, um, mm -hmm. just through the bottom of it. And when I sat the um, the cotton on top, it looked like flares that had been pulled. And it was that whole, you know, the landing zone opening up um, and it matched my RMA and it was part yeah. of my theme. And I really liked it. But that was massively like, it was just a pain in the ass. And I was just literally drilling a little hole in a base, sticking the LED light, getting it to work underneath that, and then put the um, the cotton on top, which is a really fun and cool effect on the tabletop. Yeah. But to actually run lines through models, like through the the, the arm joints of Luke, um, which are not attached to the model originally, you so have to put the model together and drill all through it to get that lightsaber to work. That's pretty exciting right, hobby I to me, man. I had to cut him, cut him up into more pieces because uh, try to, like it's it's hard to thread around corners, so you kind of have to cut, cut it into straight sections that you can thread the wires through. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, uh, I know so you was, also you you sort of like exactly. Well, I I also know that you say, oh, I didn't do much with converting, but. You've added green stuff to every single one of your rebel models. You have, um, you've made some of your models into different aliens, like Twilex. Um, you've added the the fur for Hoth troopers, you know, the the pads and whatnot to every one of your rebel troopers. So you've actually spent like quite a lot of um, what I would consider. I mean, maybe you're a lot faster than I than I am, but every one of your rebel troopers that I can think of has had some sort of work done on it prior to painting that's true um i wanted to do a um a hot setting or, or an ice world setting and um i needed to do something to make them look a bit a bit more suitable mm -hmm. but those models really lend themselves to I, I literally just put a kind of a bit of fur around their hooks and the rest of the, the outfit kind of looks heavy enough to be a, a cold climate gear mm-hmm I'm no, I'm no expert on military uniforms, but it looked reasonable to me. Like they're wearing gloves already, um, or at least the cuffs look unlike. So exactly, um, it won't dictate too much effort. Yeah. Well, I mean, as you say, it's a science fiction game, so I don't think we can necessarily go button counting on Star Wars Hoth, you know, uniforms, <laughs> but they definitely yeah. look the part, especially once you've painted them up um, using sort of that dirty white that was used for those uniforms in Empire Strikes Back. Man, mm. like your stuff just pops. I've if you search the um, the the. Lando Misfit Toys Facebook page, um, you can find pictures of Drew's Troopers because I know I've posted them in the past. Um, but yeah, you also then added thick snow to the bases. Mate, it's top tier hobby. It's really great stuff. Um, and it's always exciting to um, 
because most of my stuff for Legion has been painted by the amazing Patch. Thank you, Patch. Um, and so to have Patch's paint jobs and your paint jobs with your conversion work out there as well um, just makes for a really awesome-looking tabletop. So um, I think you and I are kind of spoiled for that. We just <clears throat> need to paint some more Imperials. Um, but I think that's my just, fault. Yeah, it's taking time. It's taking us a bit of time to get to that. <laughs> Even just a full 800-point-a-side game, I don't think we, between us, can quite do that painted yet. But Not for Empire. Soon. No. But <laughs> slowly getting there. I think we have something like 13, 1,400 points of Rebels, though. <laughs> Whoops. Oopsie. Um, but whatever. We'll get there. Um, well, let's get on with it. Um, Drew, you and I have been playing a lot of games of a particular game right now. Now, if you looked at the episode of the name of this episode, I should say, um, you would have seen that it has sort of an interesting name. The game you should be playing, Gaslands. Now, I absolutely adore this game. Um, and Drew, you are no exception to that as well. You are loving your Gaslands too, yeah? Yes. It's, um, I know, there's, there's so much I love about this game at the moment. And I mean, it's early days, but I'm very, I'm very excited about it. Right on. Well, let's, let's get into some Gaslands then. So I'm holding the Gaslands rulebook in my hand. Um, and Gaslands is a, if you go to a lot of game stores that have reasonable stock levels, you'll often find Osprey books. Um, and they'll be, their their game line, I should say. And they'll usually have a blue binding. Um, there's, oh God, I can't, of course now I'm blanking, um, A Fistful of Kung Fu, uh, Ronin um, are some of the more traditional ones. They've just had a pile of other great games. Dragon Rampart, Black Ops, Rogue Stars. Um, then the, the Men Who Would Be Kings. Um, they've also done thicker books like Horizon Wars and Scrappers. Um, but it's basically um, the company that has published all the bolt-action games and all those great military manuals. Um, it's their game arm. And they don't actually have an established studio. They have authors that they they contact and they say, hey, would you like to write this game? Um, and so they contacted a gentleman uh, by Mike Mike Hutchinson, who I believe was on Cast Dice episode number three. I should really know these things. Um, but we, when I interviewed him, it, the game hadn't come out yet. And I was incredibly excited um, because I was a massive fan in the 80s and early 90s of a game called Car Wars. Now, it is a little unfair that when Gaslands came out, and I'm guilty of it on this podcast, I spent an awful lot of time talking about Car Wars instead of this new game, Gaslands. Um, but the parallels are undeniable, and we're going to talk about that more in a minute. Um, but before we get to that, um, Gaslands has been out for a couple of years now. Um, maybe a year and a half. And um, it has, as I said, it's one of the blue binding books. Uh, now, that means it's dirt cheap. There isn't a, a core game. Um, of all the games I play or have played, this may be one of the cheapest. Um, it retails for $19 a, uh, in the United States, £12 in the UK. Um, I think I got mine for 20 bucks, 25 bucks in Australia. Um, and I've, I've bought, and it's a gift I keep giving. I think I've bought four people this game. Um, I just 
think and it's yeah, me. <laughs> yeah, Drew is one of them. Uh, Tim, our regular gaming buddy, is another, and myself. Um, I, so I bought three. So it is um, just it's a fantastic little game. Um, the great okay. So it's a post-apocalyptic game. I suppose I should back it out a little bit and talk about what it is. Um, so it's sort of a dark utili- uh, utopian, dystopian future, I should say, where the rich and elite of humanity have moved to Mars. Um, so in a way, it's a little bit like that Matt Damon movie where everyone goes up, um, has their money, and the people who have left on Earth are sort of struggling. They're, you know, they're, they're scrambling um, and just scrounging to make ends meet. Uh, and in the grand tradition of 80s movies like The Running Man, um, there are competitions on Earth that are filmed for the elite of Mars um, and for the rabble on Earth that, um, you know, combat sports. And the most popular of these is called Gaslands. Now, it's very, if you like your Fury Road, you like your Mad Max, you like your Death Race, um, there's just so many analogs for this game. Um, as far as vehicular combat. Um, there aren't any pedestrians. You have to be in a vehicle. Uh, but one of the exciting things is, oftentimes with these games that Osprey puts out, I mean, Osprey doesn't make any miniatures, so you're reliant on other miniature ranges. Gaslands doesn't use a miniatures line. Um, you are essentially forced into buying Matchbox and Hot Wheels cars and converting them into your own little death machines. Um, which I think is one of the greatest parts of this game. It also makes it incredibly cheap. As I said, $25 Australian, $20 uh, US, um, and then Matchbox cars, if you go out and buy them, $2, $3 each. Uh, It's unbelievable. Uh, Drew, am I hitting some uh, nails on the head, or do you want to add anything? Yeah, um, I thought I'd just take a step back. and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll probably talk more about all this stuff. But um, so obviously, yeah, the first thing I, 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 did, I didn't play um, Car Wars, I must, I must admit, I'm, I'm not a veteran of that game. Um, the first thing I heard about this game was, you know, vehicular combat in a, in, in a apocalyptic Mad Max kind of setting, mm-hmm. um, which was certainly appealing to me. And my first take on the game in that regard was, was kind of like, I played Gorkum Walker a bit in the nineties, mm-hmm. uh, and this to me kind of seemed like Gorkum Walker aesthetically, just without the orcs and without anything on foot. So, for all we know, there could be orcs in these cars because you never see the drivers, <laughs> you right. never see the pilots. Um, but the the kind of the first aesthetic that I thought of was that kind of um, beat up, um, cobbled together vehicles with you know scrap metal and um, you know, scavenged weapons and parts and all that sort of imagery, which which is very cool because it's it's fun and pretty easy to convert that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing I was sort of uh, a little bit more surprised to see was that um, there's there is still some tech in this universe, um, and the people competing in Gaslands, like in universe, have access to some of that tech. Mm. So. You don't have to have beat up Mad Max kind of vehicles in your force. You can have some more, some sleeker, uh, techier looking cars, should you wish. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's one faction, kind of, there's one faction that really um, 
really runs with that. And that is, if I'm not mistaken, that's Mishkin. Yes, Mishkin. Um, but there's also there's a couple of other factions in the game that also rely on sort of sleek sports cars and speed. Um, so you get that combination yeah, so got, as well, yeah. Uh, so maybe we'll talk about factions a bit later on. We'll talk about the basic rules for now. Yeah. Um, so probably the best starting off point if you're, if you're not familiar with the game, but you're mm-hmm. familiar with other popular games, um, probably the best comparison or the, the most common comparison I hear is to X-Wing. Yes. Um, in that you're, you're choosing a maneuver and then placing a template that matches that maneuver on the table mm-hmm. and moving your car accordingly. That's right. So for those who are used to tabletop war games, there are no, like you're not using a ruler to measure. You say, oh, I'm going to take a soft turn. And you pull out the soft turn template and you put it down and it touches the front of your model. And then you pick up your model, move it to the other end of the template and put it down on the other side. So the back of your model is now touching the other side of the template. So it is one of the cleanest measuring systems um, of any game I've ever seen because literally you there's no rubber ruling. I mean, you pick it up touching you put it down touching on the other side incredibly clean yeah um and then to to mix that up there is the the, probably the the most unique mechanic of the game is the skid dice Mm. mechanic and each each class of vehicle has um, a handling rating which tells you how many skid dice you may roll the the maximum number you can roll um so a a bike is going to have handling six, I think. Well, I can't remember the yeah. stat. Whereas, yeah. Whereas a, uh, a school bus might have handling one. And so you, sorry, don't quote me on those numbers. You can pick up up to your maximum handling uh, value in dice and roll those. And most of the faces on the dice um, have a positive effect. Mm-hmm. One has a, one has a totally negative effect, um, but the rest all have a, have a positive effect. Three are just straight up helpful. Mm-hmm. Two are helpful in the right situation, and one is just no good. Well, let's let's be specific. So, um, as you are playing, um, you can accrue uh, negative. Um, they're called hazard markers on your car. And if you accrue too many hazards in any at any given time, your car sort of loses control and you do something called spin out. There's also the chance that your car might flip and or blow up. So you don't want to accrue too many hazards, um, but you find yourself in this game sort of accruing a ton of them. Um, now, as Drew well, said... Things without them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you, you got them. You got to have them. Um, so with the skid dice, when you're rolling them, um, as Drew said, one of the results is called hazard, and you automatically just gain a hazard token. Um, there's a result called spin. Now, that basically means... You remember how I said you moved it along the template? Well, you do the same thing, but at the end of that, you are allowed to spin... 90 degrees left or right at the end of the movement template up to 90 degrees in either direction. And then there's slide. Now, what's interesting is halfway up every one of those templates, 
except for the straights, um, which have a little cutout on the other end, have these little cutouts. And there's a slide little um, measuring template that you just sort of, it's got a little arrow in the side, and it slots into those little cutouts I was talking about. Um, and it, it kind of allows you, if you're taking like a, a, a left turn, sort of to do this Tokyo Drift style, you're sort of turning, but as you're turning your car sliding, the momentum is taking you in that direction, which really expands out the movement potential for that vehicle. Um, one of the things about X-Wing is I often misjudge um, and I end up flying into rocks because once you put the template down in X-Wing, you're not really turning any other way. You're kind of like, well, I put the template down, I got to turn left or I got to turn right by that much. And usually for me, that involves a decision of flying into a rock or flying off the board, which automatically kills you. Um, in Gaslands, because the the spin and the slide are there, there is a really good chance that even if you picked up the wrong template, if you've rolled like three, if you have a car and you have four skid dice and you roll them and you get at least one spin or at least one slide or a combination of both, sure, you're going to be accruing some hazards because every time you spin or slide, you gain extra hazards. But you, the the potential for where your car is going to end up um, just drastically changes. And you can slide, end up in some really interesting positions um, that would prevent you from hitting things. Um, other times, though, you just jackhammer into a wall and, you know, that happens. Um, but the other three uh, faces, like Drew said, are shift. Now, shift automatically cancel for every shift you roll. And um, if you're rolling a, it's a six-sided dice, so four, five, six would essentially be this, um, you would get rid of one of those hazard markers. Um, so you, it reduces your chance. But it also allows you to increase your speed instead. If you choose, you know, I'm going to keep my hazards if I have any, but I want to increase my speed. And of course, increasing or decreasing speed means for every speed you go up, sort of speed band, um, you gain a hazard. And of course, the faster you go, um, different movement templates become available to you, sort of longer ones. Um, with you know different options become available uh and some of the ones that are really safe and you know really beneficial and help you to get rid of a lot of your hazards the faster you go they just aren't available anymore so it's kind of like yeah go ahead what what i sort of think about from like again comparing to x-wing it's like when you're in gear one you have the turn dial of a y-wing right you can do short maneuvers and you can do some some fairly precise turns mm -hmm. at slow speed. Um, but as you increase your gear, as you increase your speed, it's, it's like switching your Y-wing uh, turn dial for a, for a TIE fighter turn dial. Right. You have, you now have faster um, as in you can move longer distances, um, but maybe your turn options become a little bit, uh, a little bit more restricted. Exactly. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. And it's also um, a lot more dangerous. Um, the faster you're going, um, if you happen to accrue enough hazard markers, then all of a sudden, if you spin out um, and you happen to be traveling at a very quick speed, you are the faster you go, the more likely you are to flip and the more 
if you flip, you're also somewhat likely to blow up. Um, so live fast, you know, die young, I think is, uh, an apt expression in this game, but, um, you might say, well, I'm never going to drive fast in this game. Well, that, that's not how this game is written. Uh, Drew, <laughs> why would we want to go faster? So the, the really cool thing about this game is that it's, it's broken down into turns like most war games. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, it's individual activations. So each player takes a turn activating one vehicle mm-hmm. um but each turn is broken into gear phases and vehicles only activate in the in the uh in the gear phase less than or equal to their current gear so in gear phase one all vehicles activate mm-hmm. but in gear phase two only vehicles that have reached second gear or higher can activate mm-hmm. and so gear phase six is very rarely reached because most vehicles um flip over and explode before they reach sixth gear. Yes. Actually, a lot of vehicles just can't get to sixth gear. It's not not an option for them, but um, yeah, it's pretty hazardous by the time you're getting that fast. That means, um, game-wise, if you're playing, let's say Drew's car is in first gear and my car's in second gear, um, both our cars move in the first first phase of the, the turn. And then when we get to the second phase, Drew's car doesn't go anywhere and I get to move again. That also means every time you move, you get the opportunity to shoot. So it, you're really, the faster you go, the more opportunities you get to move and to maneuver and to attack um, and interact with the board and the track and your other players around you. Um, so the faster you go, the more you can do. Um, I play this game a lot with uh, my good friend Dave Monroe. Um, and the first couple times we played, we were still figuring out the rules. And Dave and I were playing just the simple race around the objectives and then make your way out. And um, I thought, you know, I'm way ahead with my last car. Dave's killed all my other ones, but he's got this one car and it's going to, you know, it's, it's too far away. He can't catch me. Um, but I had a lot of hazards and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to risk trying to shift gears. I'm just going to go straight at the speed I'm going to, because it's going to take me off the board and I'm going to be fine. And no way Dave can catch me. But I hadn't thought about how Dave, every single turn, he sort of put his foot to the floor, so to speak, and kept rolling as many hazard dice or um, skid dice as he could. And every turn or every phase, he kept upping his speed to the point where I think it was his Ram car just rammed through the back of my little car that was chugging along. But because it was in gear phases that were above the speed I was going, I think I was going speed two. By the end, I think he was going speed five. Um, He, you know, steamrolled through the back of me as I was on the board's edge and he destroyed my car and won the race by just driving off. So, um, going fast in this game is and of course it would have had to have been his Ram car in retrospect because it didn't have any guns. Otherwise he just would have shot me each turn. Um, but that going fast really rewards you in, in just about every possible way. Um, that said, it's also the easiest way to die. Um, would you agree, Drew? Uh, yeah, um, it, I guess it depends kind of the scenario as well. Like the, the, the main scenario of the game is death race and, and it's, um, I've played that a few times, um, mostly as a group, but yeah, definitely going fast is, 
in most cases a good option, I would say, I think. Mm. Um, and in the, in the very least, the faster you go, the more you get to activate and the less sitting around you do. Yeah. I've, I've not, I've not seen anyone who, who wants to play this game, to, uh, who wants to take it, play it safe and, uh, sit in gear three and just, you know, <laughs> there's no, um, tortoise doesn't win in this game. As no, far as I'm <laughs> no, slow and steady definitely does not win this game. Um, <laughs> yeah, but so I guess, uh, it should be mentioned that, of course, with all of this vehicular combat, there are guns. And man, there's a lot of them. Um, there's a whole page of weapon options that you can put. And it's we have all the Hollywood classics. You know, I have everything from the machine gun to, uh, you know, the heavy machine gun to the mini gun to, uh, you know, a, a rack of rockets to a flamethrower to an anti-tank gun to Molotov cocktails being thrown out of the passenger windows, to hand grenades being thrown out of the windows, to ice slicks, to smoke screens, to uh, oil slicks, to you name it, man. It's in there. Ram plates, armored cars. Um, You can put tank treads on normal cars. I mean, there are just so many fun little things. And of course, for you Fast and Furious fans, you can add nitrous to your cars. So it, it just... The game really rewards you for just thinking outside the box and making some crazy cars and putting them on the table and having some fun. Um, And I I really like that. Um, Drew, if I may, I might quickly sidestep. So if looking at the way the turn structured, as in the faster you go, the more you get to do, it actually reminds me an awful lot of Car Wars. And I, and I said I would come back to the Car Wars thing because I loved Car Wars. It had such a rich and um, awesome universe that the game was set in that was set up over a decade. Um, you know, Steve Jackson Games did a wonderful job of setting this game up and continually updating and adding vehicles and adding weapons. And there was really clever weapons catalogs that they came out with. Well, you know, as a kid, I could read this auto duel catalog, Uncle Albert's um, gunnery shop and auto stop and, you know, find, you know, see all the new cool things they added to the game. But as a kid, it was like, shopping for toys it was like oh cool there's a heavy laser i can put on my trike now amazing um but one of the as much as i loved that game and i loved everything about it i think when my friends and i played it and i was quite young when i picked it up in retrospect having gone back and played it recently a couple years ago again with dave monroe man it doesn't play well um it's it's sort of like Auto combat simulator. Um, it, it's like um, the old Starfleet battles or um, the World War II games with a million chits and, you know, with cardboard chits all over the board and 150 pages of rules that you have to micromanage, you know, which way is the wind blowing by how much. Car Wars by the end was one of the most bloated, unplayable games I think I, I've ever played now. Now they keep threatening they're going to re release it. Um, They did re-release it in the early 90s, but fans weren't ready for a fun version of that game, I guess. Um, Not to say that it wasn't fun, but in order to play just a basic duel between a couple of cars, you needed three to four hours. It took forever. Um, And you had all sorts of reference sheets and rule books and, you know, all those catalogs I was talking about. You had to have all that stuff out and ready to go. 
Um, mm. And it was great um, for a kid. But God, man, Gaslands, I'm holding it in my hand. And it is what? 64 pages, including templates, including vehicle record sheets, including fluff, including, you know, color pictures on what? Almost every page. Um, Big ones, too. This is, as much as I hate to say it, because I love Car Wars, this is a better game, like a much better game. Um, This is the game that I wanted as a kid, and I wished you know, was stapled to the car wars universe. Um, <laughs> I, I really do. I mean, the one thing in my mind, the Gaslands missing is pedestrians, but given how the speed works, I'm not sure how that would work other than exactly like it did in car wars. And that was really clunky. So I'm, uh, I could not be happier with the way this works. It is, as I said, very Hollywood centric. Um, there's this awesome rule in the game called the rule of carnage and it basically says when in doubt do the maximum damage possible um if you're ever you know arguing with your opponent about what's going to happen in a given situation whichever one does more damage wins you don't roll a four-sided dice you don't shake hands and do the gentlemanly thing no whatever's going to do the most damage that's what happens that's what's in the rules um and it it leads to some interesting um, situations. Um, collisions in this game are horrifyingly effective. Um, it, they can be incredibly destructive, or they can just be a little bounce off the paint and then nothing happens. Um, it depends on how you and your opponent play it um, as far as your reactions. Um, so there's actually a lot of depth in that as well. But let's say you happen to miss, di- miss roll or judge a template like I you know, occasionally do, and I drive into a rock like I would in um, X-Wing. In Car Wars, you would have to back up and you would have to drive forward and try and get around it. But you'd end up like that scene in Austin Powers. Where, <laughs> That's what I was just thinking then, yeah. Right? Where you're trying to turn the car around, beep, beep, you know, bump, 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 bump. And given that you're traveling at slow speeds in a game where everyone's going fast and the faster players get more turns, you would basically end your game for that car. It would like you just couldn't get it out enough fast enough. You'd get left behind or you would get run over. It just it it would lead in my mind to some serious feel badsies. Um, But what I love about this game is it basically has almost a video game mentality in it goes or Hollywood tastic. It's like, eh, don't worry about the details. And if you are, you know, if you've rammed into the corner of something and your part like your car's stuck facing it you just maneuver as if you're driving through it and then you're past it and you get back to having fun. Now, the first time I played the game, I won't lie. I kind of went, I don't know if I like that, but the more I played the game, the more I went, Oh my God, do I love that? Um, it is such an easy fix for what could have otherwise been really awful result if you're playing the game and i find the game to be incredibly unforgiving damage wise but incredibly forgiving for player mistakes if that makes sense drew would you am i what do you think about what i'm saying you you get the action you get the cinematic feel Mm -hmm. without the without the realism bogging you down afterwards yeah it's like when you're watching when you're watching a movie and you say like oh if they did that then then this would happen and the, the outcome would not be what's shown on screen. But 
that would be boring. And yeah. why would you why would you want to watch that? Whereas, um, yeah, this game just just skips the boring bits and says like, "Whoa, you crashed! Whoa, you explode! Cool, let's get back to let's get back to racing. Let's not worry about yeah. the uh, <laughs> the realistic repercussions there. Well, obviously, <laughs> if you explode, you explode, but like, yeah, you don't have to worry about the the Austin Powers turning and, and backing and reversing. <laughs> what well, I, I really like the cinematic feel of this game, um, and yeah. I, what I found is that playing this game. Um, I mean, I've only played a handful of games so far, but I, I haven't found myself really caring about the outcome. Mm-hmm. Not, not to say like I'm playing the scenario and I'm playing, you know, to succeed. I'm playing in a way that's going to help my team win, but I haven't found myself actually caring whether or not I do win. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm more interested in seeing cool stuff happen. If my opponent gets an awesome shot off or makes some ridiculous maneuver and shoots me and ex- makes me explode. That's awesome. I, I'm I'm happy with that. I don't I don't care that I just lost a car because something cool just happened. Yeah. And that kind of thing is that's kind of that's what I'm enjoying at the moment about this game. Really. Yeah. It's, it's um it, it it plays quick enough that you get cinematic stuff happening, and it's not it's not bogged down with with any of the sort of the petty accounting, so to speak. No, absolutely. And uh, it's fun. Like I, 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 I've described this game to many people as sort of a beer and pretzels game um, to sit down and play casually with your friends. But by doing yeah. so, I feel like I'm doing the game a disservice because it's really cleverly written. Um, one mm. of the things that a lot of game companies often get flack for is maybe not play testing enough. Now, Mike Hutchinson, the guy who wrote the game, wrote the game and he had a beta group and he had an active beta group and he played the game to death Um, and he had his beta players play it to death. And it was so obvious um, the as I joined the Gaslands group way back when on Facebook, right before the game dropped, who had been a beta player because the, the people who knew what was going on and knew how things worked, um, they, they really knew the game. And they really stripped it down. Because apparently the, the game originally um, had way more moving parts, had way more rules, had way more um, bells and whistles attached to it. The players just went, nah, get rid of it. Nah, that's cool, but no. It's great, but no. That, that's that's just slowing down gameplay. Um, and Mike, to his credit, listened. And he went back and forth with people and he you know, kept trialing it and kept trialing it and people kept playing it. And I think the play test for this game went on for almost two years. Um, so by the time it was actually picked up by Osprey and published, we had a really honed rule set. And you know, you might say, uh, but if it's just a little game by Osprey, are they really going to support it? Well, I think there's already three episodes or three issues of quote unquote Gaslands magazine, um, which is additional rules, um, special missions. There's an entire set of rules for war rigs um, and, you know, missions to play it like a campaign to play the war rig. Um, if you want to do like a Mad Max Fury Road type campaign with your friends, um, and there's FAQ that has been updated and you can just talk to the Gaslands group and there are n- tons of people that play it 
Um, and Mike's on it too. So, and he's answering questions. Um, it is just, it's such a great little game um, that clearly it, it has been it has been honed to be fighting fit, um, so to speak. Uh, it is it is clean. It is you know it, it's it's well written. I mean, you can play a game with another person half an hour to an hour, um, depending on how many cars or how many you know cans, quote unquote, the points of the game for list building are in it. Or you can experience kind of comes into it as well. I yes, guess that's true. Oh yeah, big time. When you're first playing playing it first couple of times, if you're not playing with someone who knows, um, the rules are very flowcharty, um, which makes it incredibly easy to figure out once you've played it a couple of times. But it, it may be a game the first time you play it. Uh, may not hurt to watch a YouTube video or two um, if you don't have someone experienced to show you, just to get a couple of the nuances. Um, but man, once you've done it once... It's pretty easy to pick up. Drew, would you agree? Yeah. Um, I think that so far I've played sort of, I think most of my games have been mass games with, like, as in more mm. than two players with some new, with some newbies in them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think we probably finished any of those games and that didn't bother me. Um, yeah. I yeah. played one, I played one game against Tim we both played a game before, so we knew the rules, and we had a scenario with a fairly sort of clearly, clearly defined objective. And even though we had to look things up and flip around a bit, we, we finished that game no problem. And uh, mm-hmm. it was it was quick once we once we were going. I was, was playing on the next table over next to our buddy Jermaine, and I think both of us finished our games in under an hour. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and. It took longer to decide who was going to play who, really. Yeah, exactly, right? Um, and one, another cool thing... Well, okay, let me let me stay on the point. Um, I know I've said this in the past, and I, I, and I really do like games that are you know, easy to pick up, easy to play, um, but then have that depth. I mean, they're games that get, uh, people like Alessio love to make, like Bolt Action. Um, it is an easy game to pick up. You can pick it up and play it. You can get it within a couple of turns and have most of the rules down pat. This is exactly like that, except I guess it's lacking a little bit of the overall depth depth only because you don't have so many armies to build your lists from. Um, Everyone's sort of building from the same list. That said, there are tons of vehicle types that you can choose from you can have motorcycles you can have buggies you can have trikes you can have cars you can have performance cars you can have god the, the list goes on and on uh pickup trucks vans uh school bus school bus monster trucks everything helicopters tanks uh, literally um those are sort of faction specific though um but once you have all of that stuff all those choices on the table and you throw in those weapon options um, it, it gets really, it gets, it gets a lot of fun. It gets really exciting. Um, but I, I guess thinking back to car wars, car wars, you would have, you know, building a vehicle would often take hours and you had to figure out, you know, the, the ratio of, you know, for the chassis, how much weight versus how much power the engine put out and, you know, what kind of horsepower and that, what your acceleration was. And, you know, how much armor, like, to the point you had on each side. 
and if you wanted to buy special kinds of armor, and it would change the price proportionally depending on if you put laser reflecting on it or made it fireproof. And then you would have like, I'm going to put two machine guns on the front, and I'm going to put a turret-mounted Gauss rifle in the turret, and then I'm going to put a mine dropper on the back, and I might alternate the mines that are inside. And each one of those mines has a different weight and a cost because I'm changing them. Um, but then you have to buy the bullets for the guns, and you have to figure all that. And so it was like... Building a better Barbie house, except it was a car. And then for every car you had, you had to repeat this process. And the bigger the vehicle, the more stuff you had. And so it was it was the list-building element that I learned to love later in life with games like Warhammer or Bolt Action. But it was car building. Um, Gaslands is so fast. Um, most cars, you're like, car, bang. Um, machine gun, done. Uh, ram plate, done. Okay, next. Um, you spend more time, I think, lining, uh, you know, standing in front of the car rack at Target looking at, you know, Hot Wheels cars than you yeah. do actually, you know, I, I, I'm not even going to say painting it, like just pulling the car out of the packet than actually building the car on paper. Um, I, it's just, it's a very easy game to put down. That isn't where it's, its strengths are, but in saying so, again, it, it makes it sound like I'm giving it, I'm, I'm selling it short. Um, do you know what I'm saying, Drew? Yeah. Um, it's, there's a really handy, um, the, the, I think, I'm pretty sure it's an official website, Gaslands Garage. Um, mm. That makes, that makes list building like trivial. I find that not only, not only are there not too many things to consider, you know, you buy a gun, it has a set amount of ammo and that's that. And you don't have to worry about, you know, anything except where it's pointing. And, and that, that's probably the only option really for that, for that weapon. Um, but, but, but a standard game, they say is 50 cans, mm -hmm. 50 points, if you like, whatever the unit is, you're, you're probably looking at two to four vehicles. Mm -hmm. And so given that, Given that they cost probably about ten cans on average each, ten to ten to fifteen cans for a vehicle, mm -hmm. that, that means it means after you've bought your, your three cars or so, you've only got a handful of points to spend on the upgrades. So yeah, most of them are going to get one or two upgrades at most. You you could buy one car and just tool it right out, but I'd, I'd rather have more cars on the table. Yeah, with a gun, with a gun or an upgrade each and probably call it that most of my lists tend to run three cars which are 12 cans so 36 points out of my 50 are spent on three cars um occasionally i run one of them as a performance car which is easier to damage but is faster and has a few special abilities thrown on for being you know performancey um for being like a sports car or a racing car and with that that goes up to 15 cans so um, that, you know, gives me a few less cans to play around with. But then, you know, machine guns are something like two or four cans, depending on how heavy your machine gun is. Rockets can be up to six. Um, there's just, uh, sorry, rockets are four. Uh, flamethrowers are six. And just to give you an idea of scale as far as points goes. So, yeah, I typically run, as I said, three vehicles. And when I played Jermaine the other night, he had two heavily tooled vehicles. 
And I, <laughs> the first time he play, he fired his, you know, anti-tank gun at me, um, I, I think I wet myself. It was unbelievable. <laughs> um, and I, I just went, oh my God. And so it was this game of who's going to win, you know, David, the little swarm of cars or Goliath, this, you know, his, one of his cars in particular was this giant truck with this giant cannon on it. And it mm. was, how am I going to do this? Um, and so it was this awesome combination of playing cat and mouse um, and also trying to, to follow through with the, you know, the mission uh, you know, or, the, or the race rules. But it, again, it comes down to that it was incredibly cinematic and it was, in, it was tons of fun. Um, and at no point did I think Jermaine felt, I mean, we talked about it afterward, neither one of us felt like the other one had the upper hand, me by having more cars and more guns or him having fewer cars and bigger guns. Um, I, 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 I think that does the game. I think that really just speaks volumes about the quality of the game that we were able to have that experience and have it play so well. Um, Drew, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, the options are great. There's by hand, uh, hands down, my favorite thing about the game so far is, uh, the scope for converting. And as you mentioned before, you you know you you go into you go to Target and you're looking at two or three bucks for for a car. Um, you can find secondhand ones easily; they're cheap. Mm-hmm. So you can really you can really go to town making each specific vehicle that you might ever want to use. Um, and you can make it WYSIWYG. You can make it what you see is what you get. Um, build. 12 different cars and just pick the ones you want for a particular race. Um, and you don't feel like, you don't feel like that's redundant. You know, if you, if you, if you wanted to do the same sort of thing for, for, for Warhammer, you'd be spending hundreds of dollars to buy all those different options and have them sit on the shelf for when you occasionally wanted to use that particular unit. Yeah. Whereas in, in, in this game, you, just buy another three dollar car. Yeah. Um, enjoy, enjoy, yeah. it, enjoy painting it, and then put it on the shelf. And if you use it, use it. If you don't, oh, well, you still had fun converting it, and you only need to spend a couple of bucks on it anyway. And it's the size of, you know, maybe your thumb double width. It's not like you've spent a million years on it either. Um, mm. It's it's and there's so. As you say, you, you get that um, the cheap car, and then if you are a gamer of any kind, you'll have bits, um, and you just take bits from your bit, bits box. Bolt-action bits are fantastic for this game. Um, I made a bunch of little buggies and put German MG42s on it, bolt-action scale ones, which look massive on these cars, but by sort of you know shaving off a couple of the details and then sticking them on the hoods it just looks like they have massive machine guns built you know sticking out of their hoods and it it, it worked perfectly it was very um you know it was a perfect match uh but you take anything in there um i have a couple performance cars and i tried all sorts of guns but none of them quite had the sleek enough look that what i wanted so i literally took some brass rod and drilled it into the grill on the front of the car and made, you know, paired machine guns a la Spy Hunter, you know, the old uh, 80s video game. And in my mind, immediately it was perfect. Um, and then just painted up and it worked the treat. It was great. And it's it's super easy. 
Yeah, as Tim pointed out, um, going back to you mentioned size and scale there. Mm. Like, yes, 40k on bolt action weapons, like probably particularly 40k because it's heroic scale. The weapons are a bit bulky. Um, I've chosen to try and stick to smaller stuff, but having bulky guns on there doesn't not not actually that bad because it makes mm. it easier to identify what it is without having to sort of stick your nose onto it and say, oh, is that a correct scale yeah. uh, medium or heavy machine gun? It's it's just like you can see it and it doesn't really detract too much from the uh, from the aesthetic. That's right. Now there are if there's actually a Gaslands buy sell swap. Um, group on Facebook that I've joined. Um, and there's a couple of guys who sell resin bits, um, that they've either made or, um, they've gotten from different places. Uh, and I've picked up a couple of those, um, brigade games, uh, who I buy a lot of their world war two models. Uh, they actually have a pack of post apocalyptic, um, bits that were made by friend of the show, Dave Taylor, who, um, you know, designed them literally to stick on matchbox cars so he could play car wars with his friends. Uh, and they are perfect for Gaslands. Um, in fact, for those of you wanting to recreate the Fury Road Mad Max car, uh, there's actually the bits for that if you buy the proper car. And there's about a million variations of the last of the V8s that you can buy off eBay. Um, in Hot Wheels scale, and all of them fit those bits down to the bumpers on the front and back and the scrap on the back um, that you see at the beginning of the film. Uh, it's perfect. So I highly recommend that bits pack if you're looking at the game. Um, I have a ton of machine guns in my rocket rack um, that I love so much on top of my you know little uh, 57 Chevy with the giant rockets on it. Um, yeah, that... That comes from there as well. It's just, it's it's a great, uh, there's just so many great places to get the, the weapons for this game as well. Um, but there isn't, because there isn't a set that you necessarily quote unquote need to use, um, no one's really looking down their nose at you. In fact, everyone's kind of encouraging one another to do something crazy and to do something cool. And because of that, there's just so many great things out there that you can just slap on a Hot Wheels car and call it a day and it looks rad. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, well, let's um, hold on. Let's let's get. So we did say I did say there was one army list that you're kind of building off of, but that does, as you say, sort of do it skims over the fact that this game has um, not only a ton of missions that you can play, different races, um, some of which are in the book, some of which are in the additional magazines later. Um, I think there's six or seven missions built in the basic game, um, all of which play differently and are a lot of fun. Um, but as Drew mentioned earlier, there are um, sort of teams or factions that you can build cars into. Now, I have all whenever I've played, I haven't played with these. Um, but as I've been playing games with a lot of players more recently, um, they've all built teams or they're built their little forces around specific teams, which give them bonuses. But I've never felt disadvantaged. Um, and oftentimes the bonuses sort of make you to build your team in a certain way, like high speed or little junkers or this, that, and the other thing. And if you just run a generalist uh, little force of cars or you want to theme a different way, you don't have to follow one of these. It, the game still works. Most um, of the factions yeah. have a most of the factions have a little perk, but then they also have a restriction. So most factions eliminate one class, one one weight category. Um, from the option from your options yeah so 
yeah, the um, like the, the the very militaristic faction mm-hmm. can't take lightweight vehicles, for example. That's right. That's Rutherford. Um, so you could yeah. take a tank or you could take a helicopter, um, but you can't take any lightweight vehicles. Um, and it you yeah. And there's a special way to get extra audience votes, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, Miyazaki is the um, the speed faction, so they're yep. the ones Miyazaki, with. So they're ahead. more the maneuver. They're more the maneuverable faction. The um, yeah, the uh, the the crazy maneuvers and uh, and you know drifting, yes. that kind of thing. You're right. They're the Tokyo Drift faction. Yeah. Um, so Mishkin, tell us about Mishkin. We're mentioning them before. Mishkin are your they're they're kind of your your Russian tech dudes. They um, they get access to the more exotic uh, equipment in the game. So they, can, they have a lot of sort of electrical um, and sort of sci-fi weaponry, like um, like lightning guns and uh, mm-hmm. and a, a ECM pulses and things like that. Yeah, they're they're. I was reading through their weaponry last night. It's fun. It's I may have to make a Michigan team. They're cool. And all of their weapons recharge by driving fast. Yeah. Which is, it's kind of cool. That is funny. I was I was trying I was like, wait, is that say what I think it says? And it does. And it's exactly that. The faster you go, the more charge you get, the the more you get to shoot, which is awesome. Um and Idris, speaking of speed, is of course the proper, you know. They're your nitrous addicts. Um, they are. They get all sorts of benefits for going as fast as possible, um, but they have to have vehicles that are on the ground. You can't take gyrocopters, which are sort of the mini helicopters that any team can take, except for them. Um, and then after that, we have slime. Drew slime. Um, slime. They're they're probably closest to your Mad Max. They're specified as coming from Australia, which kind of is pretty obvious mm-hmm. um, uh, depiction there. They're, they're probably your more um, cobbled together vehicles, you know, with scrap parts and Frankenstein vehicles and all that sort of thing. Um, this is, this is what I picture when I think of um, like Gorkamorka and that's, that kind of ties it to me there is that they're very um, anarchic and, uh, and they've, they've, their tech is the most scavenged as I see it. Absolutely. And then last but not least, the Wardens. Now, if you love the, um, the wow, why can't I think of that? Death Race, the Warden, um, Frankenstein, um, the, the Jason Stratham car racing prison movie. This is the team for you. You can have a Warden who are driving around a guard cars and prison cars and things can blow up. And it just it, it's great for uh, mayhem and uh, murder. Um, and not really good for prisoner rights, I guess, is another way of saying that. Uh, but what's cool is each one of those teams, as you say, um, has a theme and it definitely benefits you to build to that theme. Um, and you can accrue audience votes. Now we talked about audience votes. Um, we did mention that this game has a very high body count. Um, but we also said it was a forgiving game. And one of the things that makes it forgiving is if you are playing and you have a certain, if you've, as you've been playing, you accrue audience votes and those can allow you to sort of help your vehicle if they've spun out or to respawn a vehicle at a different part of the race or sort of come back to life if you have, you know, if your last car has been eliminated and destroyed. So it really does sort of 
cut down on the feel badsies of, oh crap, it's the very beginning of the game. I've had some bad luck. All my cars are dead. Uh, uh, I now have to sit and wait for my friends to finish so we can play again. No, you can Could get back in there. Yeah, go ahead. Could I- Question here: um, If you remember back to the, I think the first Hunger Games film, where um, uh, at one point Peter's bleeding out or something, and um, yes, Katniss receives that little little parachute with a with a with medicine to make you know, to heal Peter, and it's because someone has has paid for her to get that, and the 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 game producers can send that to her, you know, on behalf of of their sponsor. And that's pretty much what's going on here is that the audience can, can pick like the, in in most cases, pick the underdog to get a few little leg ups to try and bring them back from the, uh, from last place, so to speak. I think it's an awesome mechanic to add to a game like this that just, uh, just adds so much to it. Um, and the forgiving nature. And I'll be honest, it's the rule I played with the least, um, but I'm most looking forward to add to the next time I play because um, I just think it's cool. Uh, I, I like it because it promotes. First of all, it helps the underdog, so it keeps you know it's a bit of a it stops people falling too far behind. Um, but then each faction gets its own uh, specific way to access more audience votes, and those tend to tend to promote playing in the spirit of that faction. Yeah. So like Idris, the speed faction they get audience votes for going fast. Mm-hmm. The Rutherford fa- uh, gets audience, the, the, the military faction, they get audience votes for using a variety of weapons. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it, it's... Yeah. Again, it, it, it really does um, sort of encourage you to play a certain way, which is cool. But again, you can get audience votes. Um, if you desperately want to make a team of your own, for example, and sort of come up with your maybe just use the generic rules. Um, you don't want to go into one of those factions and you want to do your own thing. Um, you can still use the audience vote rules. Um, you can just sort of imagine your own way of doing it. Um, now, I'm sure you get house rule your own system if your opponents agree to that but um as i said i've been running generic teams and just been loving it haven't added any rules just been playing it out of the box but drew you've been playing your own faction and it's awesome now i did mention before that your hobby has been off the chain so drew tell us just a little bit about team mask (laughs) um well, since since this game drew so heavily from um, sort of eighties action imagery, um, and I was a I, I was born in the eighties, so most of my experience there was cartoons, and my favorite mm-hmm. growing up was, was Mask. Um, so essentially, civilian vehicles that um, when the when the time called for it would convert into um, to, to reveal weapons and and um, all sorts of hidden um, gadgetry to to take on the enemy, and you know I haven't I haven't done, I haven't done anything to do with that in years. But I thought of that. I thought of eighties, and I thought of vehicles, and I thought that would actually be really cool. I want to do that, and I just did it because I had to. So I went and found it's like all the mask vehicles are based on real um, real cars mm-hmm. vehicles. So I went and found all the uh, matchboxes to to match those. And so cool. wasn't too difficult to be honest. Like there was a, a, a an 85 Camaro and a 57 Chevy. And those are actually pretty easy to find in, 
in Matchbox. Mm -hmm. And then I, um, I cut them up. I converted them as faithfully as I could to the, to the originals, which presented some challenges like the Camaro has gull wings, which the standard Camaro doesn't, mm -hmm. or at least Matchbox didn't. Um, so I cut those out, which is a, those diecast uh, bodies are very heavy. Oh god! Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the doors don't have um, don't actually have window frames, so I couldn't actually make gold wings out of them. Um, so I just ended up cutting some out of some thin sheet steel I had. But um, so that kind of thing. And then to try and sort of, I, I, I kind of tried to to make it look like I converted them to 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 have moving parts and convert. I actually mm -hmm. just made duplicates of all of them. So I have the standard kind of normal civilian version of each. And then the, actually there's guns hidden inside here, versions of each. So um, that was a lot of fun. Just painting the Vic, just painting the standard ones was, was kind of cool and a good nostalgia hit for me. I really, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Because in the game of Gaslands, you often don't get to arm your weapons till after you've made the first turn, you've passed through the first gate. Um, and so for you, you, you know, you, you have your first set of cars until you get to that, that first gate, then all of a sudden you transfer it over, um, when the sort of weapons go live. Um, and just the pictures of that look awesome. I can't wait to see them in person, but just you, the way you've, you've painted the vehicles to match the, the actual mass cars, man, it hit, it hits me right in the feels. It's amazing. Um, the nostalgia hit from looking at that is sensational. Um, so uh, what is your next mask car? Because I know you've got a few up your sleeve. Well, the, the probably the most iconic vehicle for mask is, is Rhino, which was a, mm -hmm. um, uh, a tractor trailer uh, that revealed like smoke screens from the, um, from the uh, exhaust stacks and a, a big bumper at the front of the rocket launcher mm -hmm. hidden in the cab. So I'll make that. I don't think I'll make duplicate of that. I'll, I'll see how it goes. It's, it's a bit bulky and it might, might not be worth the, the, yeah. so much space. Um, it never had a trailer in the um, it never had a trailer in the in the series, but yeah. I think I'll to match and kind of that I can either make it a tractor by itself or, or attach it and make a war rig when I feel like it. Yeah. Um, that'll be fun. And I've also bought a couple of um, of eighties Chevy pickups, which is another another vehicle. Uh, from from the first series that's a pickup awesome man yeah, yeah. i've got a uh, a 3d printed thunder machine from gi joe in uh, hot wheel scar uh, cars so i uh, i cannot wait to uh, paint that up and get it on the tabletop i might have to get a couple 3d printed vamps um, and maybe uh, a helicopter or something just so I can add the, a few extra G.I. Joes and take your mask vehicles on with my Cobra vehicles. But um, I think <laughs> that would be fun. Uh, I was thinking, oh, I could do the uh, do some of the Venom vehicles from mask like and you could have the good guys and I could have the bad guys. But yes. The Venom vehicles are much harder to come by. Uh, the Switchblade does not have an analog and I'm not building one from scratch. So if anyone wants to 3D print me one uh, in the proper scale for Matchbox, we'll talk. Um, but yeah, right on. Hey, you know, like, so, so Mask, I, it's some obscure reason Mask has actually become a, um, a canonical part of of G.I. Joe at some stage. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, so I think it's perfect for us to do that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right, Drew. Let's let's 
let's talk shop. So if people want to actually play Gaslands and they happen to be uh, in and around old Melbourne town where we are, um, where can they join us for a game? Uh, we are playing at Good Games on Lonsdale Street uh, fortnightly at the moment. That's right. Um, every we- every other Wednesday. Yeah. And the uh, we are having a meet on the 14th of November. Mm-hmm. And then the next will be on the 28th of November. And from there on in, uh, if you want to, uh, I guess if you want to know exactly when those are going to be, you can check out the, uh, the, the Melbourne Gaslands Collective uh, page. It is a, uh, group, sorry, on Facebook. Mm-hmm. It's a private group, but uh, you and I are in charge, so we're pretty we're pretty loose with letting people in. That's right. So if at, well, I guess that's the other thing. If people on social media want to take a look at what we are doing, um, as far as the cars we're building, um, pictures of the games we're playing, um, there is a group. It is the Melbourne Gaslands Collective. Um, and again, if you type that into Facebook, Melbourne's Gasoline Collective, uh, and you would like to check it out, go ahead. Um, we're small, but, um, we're posting more all the time. Um, but yeah, we're also, it's that group generally that, um, we share around and people have been joining and it's crazy the number of people that have been coming out to play. Um, the last time we played Drew, we had, I think we expected four people and how many did we have over the course of the night? Nine? Oh, last time it seemed to get up to to close to ten. I think it's been growing every week, though. Oh, sorry, every fortnight. Yeah. Um, because the first time, I think it was just four of us, five mm-hmm. of us having a, a race, and then we we had a couple more the next, and it's each time it's gone up. Um, and there's there's lots of new faces there. Like there's, you know, I know I know probably about three or four people that are going regularly. The rest mm-hmm. are all. Uh, strangers to me, which is great because I'm happy to just see people uh, having a go, getting into it. Absolutely, and I think that's I think that's key. Is like if you've not played a war game before, a tabletop war game before, this is a good one to get started in because it's low, low, low cost of entry. Yeah, um, and so it's very casual. If, if you don't know what you're doing, just come down. We'll we'll, uh, we'll sort you out. Yeah, man. And we have, um, it's nice to see some folks popping in who we know from other scenes who are now coming to play Gaslands. And I think it's a great game because we often play, or when we do play, I should say, it is every other Wednesday, but it's at night. Um, And some games you just can't pick up in an evening. Um, I know that um, Dave Monroe and I used to try and get games in uh, on weeknights. Uh, because weekends were fairly ugly. And I know I've done it with Lee a couple times. But, you know, if you're playing bolt action, you don't always, I mean, once you set up and pulled out your armies out of the cases and set the terrain and picked the mission and started deployment and then started playing, um, even if you're playing in a short, punchy, tournament-like time frame, uh, it, you know, it just doesn't, you can't always get that full game in by the time, you know, the game shop closes on a weeknight. Um, and it, it makes it difficult yet at Gaslands, uh, we're playing two to three games, usually two, um, sometimes one, depending on, cause you usually come a little later, Drew, um, yep. usually two games in the span of an evening and I'm getting home with enough time to listen to an audiobook with my wife, go to bed at a reasonable time and get up at work for work the next day. I mean, it's ideal. And, um, I, I won't lie. My, my job's been fairly, um, 
taxing of um, my uh, energy and um, positive mental state recently. Um, it, it things have been a little rough, and um, Gaslines is a great game to get together with friends. I mean, immediately it's it's not as you say overly mentally taxing, but it's fun and just to be able to roll dice and have a good time and laugh. And the people who come along, I don't think we've seen anyone with that white line fever that you know, uh, pun intended. You might expect in in a post apocalyptic or any war game. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, I'm really happy. Um, Drew, are you having the same experience? Oh yeah. I, um, uh, I, I met a new guy last week or last fortnight mm-hmm. named Luke. Um, we had a game. He tabled me, I think by gear phase three or four, the first Oof. turn, um, without firing a single shot. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a, it was, um, arena of death. And the turrets um, were fairly efficient, let's say. Mm-hmm. Uh, my gyrocopter flew off the board. And, yeah, I took, sort of just politely took myself apart for him. And he just sort of drove through the rubble and kind of did a double take. Like, what, what just happened there? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about that. So you were playing Arena of Death. And that was the first time you'd played those rules. And um, that... Well, I, I've played a game of that with... Uh, with Tim okay, uh, over the week before that. And I had built myself some turrets. Yes. Scenario. Tell so us, I wanted to try them out. Tell us about these turrets because um, you definitely went on the budget option with them and they look spectacular. Well, thank you. Um, I've been sitting on these, these yogurt, these yogurt pouch lids for a few years now, meaning to give them to a friend who does a lot of terrain work. Um, they just look like really good exhaust vents for like 28 mil sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Um, so just stick them on the side of industrial buildings and they just look like, they just look like they're oozing smog and they're, they're perfect. Um, but I had a few dozen of those in a bag and I had not given them to said friend for a while. I thought, you know what, let's do something with them. And I decided they would make kind of, I thought that they look like good kind of turrets that you'd, you dump out in the wasteland somewhere. Mm-hmm. The turret, sort of, the, the the gun itself kind of draws down into the uh, into this kind of dome, and then when they get activated remotely, the the top would just slide open, and this gun turret would pop out the top and do its thing. And like, I haven't built all those moving parts or anything, but that's kind of how I imagine they work. And so the base is this yogurt cap. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the top is a little gun. I made the guns just out of plastic card bits of rod, and um, I bought myself a one and a half mil hole puncher to to make some rivets out of plastic card, and that mm-hmm. was a I was happy with that investment. Um, yeah. And yeah, so the turrets just the guns just sit on top of the base with magnets. Um, I've painted in a kind of a stencil font the numbers one through four around the base. So they kind of look decorative, but at the same time, you point the gun at the number representing how many hull points you're up to. Mm-hmm. So because they can be they can be shot and damaged. Uh, and then the plan is to to use the bases as well to take the guns off and build some sort of um, some sort of post that sticks up a bit higher, and then those can become the gates for a um, death race. Oh, that's cool! I didn't know that second part. That's rad, man. So sort of versatile terrain. Yeah. Nice. 
Well, cool, man. Um, if you haven't seen pictures of those, they are all on the webpage. They are also, as in the um, Lando Misfit Toys uh, page, I've been posting Drew's stuff. Um, we've also, of course, Drew's been posting all of his hobby progress and all of his um, Gaslands teams on the Melbourne Gaslands Collective page. So if you would like to see them, just uh, head on down to the page and take a look. It's good stuff. And I invite, invite any others who join or any current members Please post what you're doing. We all want to see it because yeah. uh, one of the main appeals to this game is just how cool everything looks, and I, I just love seeing everyone's take on the uh, on the game. Yeah, man. I um, I pulled out all of the old cars, uh, and I've started putting some things together. So I might even do a sponsor team. Ooh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, Drew. Um, Though we've sort of talked up the narrative fun nature of this game and maybe the less than hyper competitive element of it, um, let's talk about a tournament. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or should I say an event? Um, Tell us a little bit about what we have up our sleeve. I'm using the word event because, like, I I like tournaments because I've come from a tournament background. Like, that's most of what I was playing. And I've, I've never. I've never been a competitive player. I, I may have podiumed once, and my recollection is fuzzy. But like, that's only a maybe. So don't uh, don't uh, think I'm a don't think I'm in it for um, for the glory. I'm in right. it for the uh, the social aspect, definitely, purely. But given that's given those are my roots. Um, hey, that's how we met at a tournament. I so. was say, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I thought in order to to kind of foster the uh the game and and the uh, group playing it that mm-hmm. we try and play something um try and play an event um so look it would be a tournament but um what i've got in mind is having a traditional winner as such mm-hmm. so the person who the person who plays the best and, and wins the most games they would be a winner but the other and possibly more prestigious award would go to the player that racked up the most audience votes across yeah. weekend. Um, as I see it, the people that come to watch Gaslands, like in-universe, the people that come to watch it, they don't come to see skilled drivers dodging rocks and avoiding being shot and winning a race. They come to see things blow up, mm-hmm. see cars get wrecked. They come to see face gets smashed so that's that's what's that that's what the audience votes represent and so i think that to to balance skill play but also people who are new to the game or new to any game to to balance that i thought we'll give one award to the person who wins the scenario as described in the scenarios and Mm -hmm. one award to the person who plays the most cinematic game nice yeah, man. I mean, in my mind, it's just an opportunity. It isn't so much as in a tournament as in an organized sense, but an opportunity for people like us to get out um, when we often have obligations during the week that make it difficult to, you know, play a lot of games, you know, play a couple quick, cheeky um, midweek games. But if we can get like an afternoon, um, heaven forbid, a day of just solid gaming, get to meet some new people. I mean, as you said, you and I, um, you know... Uh, we we've been fast friends for God, a deck 12, 
12 years, 10 years, something like that. Um, and 10 we, years. Yeah, 10 years. And we've met on at a tournament. So many of my good friends, and I know so many of your good friends, you've met through Wargaming. Um, and just to um, just time to foster those new relationships and uh, get people playing games, man, just having fun. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just good times. So um, Australia Day weekend, I know that is CanCon weekend, um, but not everyone can get away for CanCon. Um, and for those wondering, I will probably, and by probably I mean almost 100%, not be going to CanCon this year. Um, so it will be the opportunity to get some good gaming in on the long weekend um, in Melbourne town in a fun and fast and furious kind of way. Drew, are those your feelings too? Yeah, it's. I think we we're hoping to just be something for those people that can't get to Canberra. Um, come play Gaslands. You 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 literally don't need to have prepared to play this game. You could just yeah break some cars out of the box and come on the day. Like that's. That's fine, and we would, we would love to have you. Uh, if yeah, you wanted definitely. to borrow some cars, I would probably have at least a team or two to share <laughs> by that yeah. time, so you could get those. Um, yeah, I, I I I want this to be the very sort of in, inclusive things. Mm-hmm. So I, I should say, on, on top of the, the two the two awards I just described, I thought I thought we'd probably have a whole bunch of other awards, awards, oh, yeah. and just have like. Like a car for each of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So cheap. Well, that's the thing. I mean, if we think about it, I mean, it's it's well away from now. Um, it's a couple months off, and it's going to be a fun, fast sort of little small event. Um, sure, we'll have some prizes. Sure, but I mean, it's not going to be a million dollars to enter. It'll just be an afternoon of gaming, and we'll have some good gag um, awards and some actual prizes and. Um, you know, just have some have a good time doing it. We we haven't quite set the date, um, but the venue is set for Good Games Melbourne. Um, they're keen to have us, and we're keen to be there. And yep. um, we'll be. I know that you and I both have terrain, um, and you've already got, of course, your turrets to start with. So um, we're still working out all of the uh, tournament pack, um, so you know what to bring. But um, look, I am anticipating just a, a relaxed, casual afternoon of gaming um, with some good time with some friends. Yeah, and uh, maybe once we we show up some of the details, we'll um, I'll I'll come in for a spot and just spruik it again on the uh, yeah. on this program. Ah, it sounds like a plan, my friend. It sounds like a plan. Well, with that, my good man, I think it is time for us to call it a night. Um, Drew, as always, thank you for coming on Cast Ice. Uh, A pleasure. Thank you, man. Man, it is always a pleasure to share a microphone or a turntable with you, and I look forward to the next time we do. Um, And while I'm thanking people, I have to thank all of you for listening this evening. Um, Cast Dice has been going for a year, as I said at the beginning of this cast. Um, The beginning of this and the end of this, just to pull back the curtain a little bit, uh, there was uh, a week of... um, We had to pull the plug halfway through an episode, and we just finished recording... So um, the beginning and the end of this are slightly different um, time-wise, but uh, it does, again, um, I would like to say again, and I think I said it at the beginning, it's been a week. Um, Look, I really appreciate if you've taken the time to listen to this or any of the podcasts that I've ever done. Um, I do this for fun and as a hobby, and um, I find it incredibly humbling that anyone would like listening to my voice, um, let alone uh, me waffling on about the things that I love. So, um, again, I know podcasts don't cost anything, but 
time is money. Um, Time is sometimes more precious than money. And the fact that you are taking the time to listening to this, uh, look, I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, But before I get too mushy, I think uh, we should probably just call it a night. Ladies and gentlemen, when you are playing the games that we love, we hope that your dice roll hot. We hope your beverages are cold. But more than any of that, we hope you are having fun. This is Cast Dice saying good night. I'm